Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, Luka Doncic got help. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to another edition of NBA Today. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. Follow me at CorbinNBA. Check out HoopBall. As I always say, hoop-ball.com and at HoopBallTweets on Twitter. This is, again, another playoff edition. Let me be saying this for the rest of the year, I guess, of NBA Today. Day three of the playoffs. Had a couple good games. Had a couple blowouts. You know, good old-fashioned NBA playoff action. We're going to get right down to it. we got to start with Luka Doncic, though. He got his first NBA postseason victory. It was insane. And honestly, he didn't really have a a big part of the pivotal moments of the win. (laughs) Crazy to believe that. Doncic scored 28. The Mavericks outlasted the Clippers 127-114. But a lot of it came in the fourth quarter with Doncic on the bench. Yes, Doncic on the bench... Having four fouls going to the fourth, it was insane. And, and and while he was out, he picked up his fifth less than a minute to the final period when he came in, briefly, had to go back out again, and the Mavericks took a 14-4 edge, made a 13-point lead entering the fourth. Then Doncic went back out for a second, immediately got another foul, went back to the bench. Then the Mavericks went and pushed it to 18 in the final quarter to really go and seal that win. And really, it was a team effort from the top down for Dallas. Of course, we have to start with Luka Doncic because 28 points on 47% shooting is great. Tossing eight rebounds and seven assists, you can't get it better than that. But then you have guys like Kristaps Porzingis, who did play. He had some knee soreness. He was, you know, doubtful, then questionable, then he played 36 big minutes. 23 points, seven rebounds, hit three big threes, including one from deep. But then you have guys like Tim Hardaway Jr., who came through with 17 points. Guys like Seth Curry and Trey Burke, 15 points for Curry on 6 and 9. 16 points for Burke on 7 of 11. Those guys set the tone. I like the play of DeLon Wright. His stat line won't show. He only played 16 minutes, only had three points and three assists. But his play, his poise was great. Max Kleber, I mean, he got some fouls, but he collects up 10 rebounds, even though not shooting super great. It was a full team effort for the Mavs, and and that's what got them this win. Because, you know, Dallas, Dallas came. Da- I mean, and Dallas played well, but the Clippers, they came. Kawhi Leonard went off for 35, his usual efficient self, 47% from the field, got to the free throw line seven different times, 13 for 14 from the free throw line, 10 rebounds. I mean, monster game for him. Marcus Morris chipped in with 14. Lou Williams off the bench had 23. Reggie Jackson had 11. And Montres Harrell had 10. Paul George had 14, but it was on just just abysmal shooting. 4 of 17 from the field. 2 of 10 from 3. After the game, he was icing his shoulder. Uh, take with that what you will. But that's what he was doing. So, ultimately, you have to credit Dallas's bench 
for really coming through, holding a lead while Luka was out. That was a worry for me, how they would sustain offense without Doncic really running everything. But they did a great job of doing just that. Um, Couldn't even forget Boban Marjanovic, man. Boban came through. 13 big points. He had a nice quick dunk off a of Luka feed. He had a nice little hook shot hold the pose over um, Montrez Harrell in the first. I mean, uh, he was cooking. He was cooking. Boban was cooking, man. I'm just letting you know. Um, Pat Beverly did not play. Reggie Jackson started in his place. Rivers said he wasn't sure when Beverly was hurt, but that it was an injury that had been lingering. Uh, the Clippers noticed the guard wasn't moving well. Their shooting around decided to scratch him. They basically said they don't know if the injury could keep him until the next game or until the next week. That is kind of worrisome because Pat Beverly is big to what the Clippers do. Not only on the offensive end, being a very efficient shooter, especially from three, but also getting the Clippers into their sets, calling out defensive rotations, being that voice. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard said after the game he's one of their big players that, you know, they, they need to have on the court. Um, of course, they have a deep team. Reggie Jackson, while maybe not a starting level NBA point guard, in my opinion, is still a very good point guard. Um, you know, just in the NBA, eh, yeah, I'm kind of talking myself out of that. He's a, a, a starting point guard. He's a decent point guard, okay? I'm, I can't backtrack enough. I don't like Reggie Jackson personally. I think that his, his upper tier days are, are done, but I'd put him in the top 25? Yeah, that feels safe. I'll put him in the top 25. All right, say it with me, y'all. Sports are back, baby. I've been waiting for this day since March. Now that it's here, I've got two things on my mind. One is whether the Lakers will come back and beat the Blazers in Game 2. The second is my bookie. My bookie is a home run. It's a slam dunk. It's a triple overtime game-winning shot all wrapped up into one. I love it. You love it. And that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie is up to minute odds on all your favorite teams. And with the start of the NBA bubble season just around the corner, there's never been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet. You win. They pay. Come on now. Feeling good about your MLB team's chances this year? Be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking toward the future, and in this case, that means your NBA playoffs, Lakers, your hockey, and your football. MyBookie's already accepting future bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's literally never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. I mean, you have time. Most of y'all are in your houses. Check it out. Why not? Join today, and my bookie will match your deposit 100%. 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter the promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, when signing up. HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, when signing up. Remember, my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. It honestly doesn't get much better than that, y'all. going to run through two quick blowouts here. The, nug- the the Jazz came back in a major way and just totally whooped the Nuggets, 124-105. to 105. Donovan Mitchell followed up that big 57 with 30 points, 21 of them in a third quarter uh, that really keyed the Jazz runaway of the Nuggets. And he did it on an efficient 10-14 of 14 from the floor, threw an 8 assist because why not? I mean, that broke the lead open in the third quarter, and they got as high as 31 in terms of a lead. Jordan Clarkson also chipped in with a big 26 points. The Jazz as a whole shot 51% from the floor. They had 32 assists, and they hit 23 points. Still look, looking like the Houston Rockets out here. But, like, seriously, if you look at the Jazz, and just the assist totals for each person, Royce O'Neal had to be close to a career high, had eight assists. Rudy Gobert had three. Joe Ingles had six. Mitchell had eight. Clarkson had three. 
And you get one apiece from Georges Yang, Emmanuel Moutier, Tony Bradley, and even Nigel Williams-Goss. Like, these guys are just tossing the ball around like it was a hot potato. And for threes, Royce O'Neal hit three, Joan Morgan hit one, Joe Ingles hit four, Donovan Mitchell hit six, Jordan Clarkson hit four, Yang hit one, Moutier hit one. I mean, these guys, again, that's, that's the recipe of success, having the ball ping around like it did and knocking down threes like they did. For the Nuggets, uh, it is safe to say that Jamal Murray cooled off in a major way. 36 points in Game 1, 14 in Game 2 on 6-13 shooting. Uh, he threw in uh, 4 assists, so that happened. Nikola Jokic pretty much replicated the same performance as Game 1. 28 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, and he got some help from Michael Porter Jr. 28 points on 10-17 shooting, 6 rebounds, but that was really it. Uh, aside from that, Monte Morris had 10 off the bench, and I think I've just read all the double-figure scores for the, the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. Jokic, Murray, Morris, and Porter Jr. And aside from Porter Jr. and Jokic, you weren't really getting a whole lot. And that really explained the game. Uh, the Nuggets definitely were knocking down threes like they did before. Uh, Torrey Craig only took one, missed it in 27 minutes. Jamal Murray only took two. Michael Porter Jr. was really the high-volume three-point shooter for the Nuggets, six of nine. And then Monty Morris off the bench. And Jeremy Grant got up seven, made two of them. But that was really it. And you could tell, you know, still nip and tuck for some of it. Then the Jazz said, hold up, y'all. We got this. And they just kind of ran away with it. So at this point, you know, you have a series there. This was always one I was interested in, seeing how the two matched up, both teams missing key people and how that would work. And, I mean, we're seeing some of it now. Uh, Bo Bo got some action. Uh, Utah was up pretty big, so he was able to get in. People who wanted those Bo Bo minutes, they got it, uh, at least a few, and, and he hit two free throws for good measure. So, you know, there you go. Um, good stuff there. Mike Conley is back in the bubble, so he'll have to, you know, wait through quarantine, but he should be good to go pretty soon. Meanwhile, Gary Harris and Will Barton both missed their game, and Will Barton has actually left the campus to seek further treatment on that ailing knee that he's having um, problems with and he's frustrated because it's not healing um, properly and so you, you wish the best for him in that recovery because that's not cool you know lingering injuries in general especially a guy like Will Barton a good all around guy someone who was key for the Nuggets and how they've played the last couple of years and to be out like he is that's just unfortunate another blowout Boston Celtics whipped all over the Philadelphia 76ers 128 to 101 Jason Tatum with a career high 33 points. Joel Embiid had 34 in the loss. But really, I mean, it's a tale of, you know, two different teams right now. Uh, the Celtics are playing confident. Kemba Walker added 22 points. Jalen Brown added 20. The Celtics shot 51% from the field. I mean, their shot makers just went crazy. The 76ers tried, but, I mean, you got too many dynamic players on Boston for Philadelphia to handle. And this was without Gordon Hayward. Remember, he has that right ankle sprain. He's expected to be out for at least four weeks. But... The 76ers started off hot. They actually led by 14 the first quarter. Great, you know, snapback. But the Celtics rallied, took the lead by halftime. Then in the third, just extended it. Uh, Jalen Brown had a, just an amazing 360 dunk with under eight minutes left in the third quarter. That put the Celtics up 74 to 59. Then Boston extended his lead all the way up to 98-75 at the end of the period, holding the 76ers to 22% shooting in the quarter. And at that point, job was just about academic. It really was. Uh, Maltese Thibel started in place of Al Horford, not really sure why, um, neither really did anything with that, Horford scored four points, which I guess is less than six, because, duh, and Thibel scored two, so, yikes, MB scored 15 the first quarter, um, and that was a lot of his, you know, points right there, and, and being assertive, but then again, the Celtics were able to adjust, 
and in order to get the ball to Embiid, the 76ers don't have a lot of capable playmakers to reliably do that. Tobias Harris disappointed again, 13 points, 11 rebounds, and the efficiency was not amazing. Uh, I'm just going to run it by for you here. 4-15, didn't make a 3, 60% from the free throw line. It's rough. Josh Richardson at 18 and Shake Milton at 14 both shot reasonably well, 50% or better from the field, 40% or better from three between the two of them, but they're just not getting enough, and that's the bottom line. And, I mean, unless somebody gets hot in the next couple of games, Joel Embiid can force the issue only so much, especially being a big in this you know in this position that he's in where he needs to be fed the ball. And if he's not able to do that or not in a position to get the ball, then then what do you have? You know, And, and that's where the 76ers find themselves. And for Boston, it's just too many. They go small better than the 76ers, more skilled players at those positions. We already mentioned the three guys in double figures um, with 20 or more with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker. Then Marcus Smart has 10, Ennis Cantor has 10, you have two other guys who are close to that with Grant Williams and Brad Wanamaker with nine and seven, respectively. I mean, you got too many people doing too many things at once for Philadelphia to stick with it, and that was the issue there, and that's why they're down now 0-2, and uh, I don't think it means you're crazy to think that they'll be down 0-3 very shortly. Um, this season is a lost one for Philadelphia. It's a shame. Obviously, the injury to Ben Simmons was kind of a death knell to their playoff hopes. Uh, if I'm writing this off too early, I'm sure they'll come back to prove me wrong, but somehow... I doubt it. And with Ben Simmons being out, obviously Al Horford are being clunky fit, whether he started, whether he came off the bench, having your best three players arguably be all bigs in this position where you didn't have adequate guard play is an issue. No disrespect to Shake Milton or Josh Richardson, but they're not the type of players that Philadelphia needs. They, they're good for Philadelphia, but Philadelphia needs another type of player in addition to that, and they don't have that. A reliable playmaking guard. And, and between the two of them, both are probably better off ball. Or, or in Shake Milton's case, he probably needs to develop more of those traits on ball to be fully effective, and he just hasn't yet, and so that's unfortunate. All right, last game of the day. It was really the first game of the day, but in the way I'm, I'm going through the order, it's reverse. The Brooklyn Nets, man, they had me. I wanted them to win so bad. They played really well for most of this game. In fact, you would say all of the game right up until the final minutes as the Raptors took the lead and the win 104-99. to Van Vliet was big then, and a lot of that happened because the Raptors decided to go small, which was basically out-little-guying the Brooklyn Nets. As they started Pascal Siakam at center, that made a lot quicker and a lot more of a flexible lineup. Fred Van Vliet carved the Nets for 24 points and 10 assists. Norman Powell played well. He had 24 big points and a huge facial in the first half of the game. Kyle Lowry had 21 points, 9 rebounds, and he also got a real big turnover that actually led to a game-sealing dunk for Powell. So it was really good for those guys um, as the Raptors were able to show that championship resolve and take the lead in the win. For the Nets, they played well. They made adjustments. They just got out-adjusted by the Raptors. Garrett Temple led the Nets with 21 points. The Raptors uh, were just... They, they started, if you remember, last game fast. And this game was the complete opposite. The Nets started really quick. Um, they built a 14-point lead in the first quarter. The Raptors didn't even take the first lead of the game until mo- nine minutes remaining in the game. Funnily enough, the Nets would actually have a final shot to send the game into overtime... Um, because Timothy Leal Cabarro hit a three-pointer of 40 seconds left that trimmed it to 102.99, and on the other end, Toronto was called for a shot clock violation. But as the Nets were getting into their action, Lowry swiped the ball away on a handoff near mid-court, mid near mid-court, my mistake, and then Powell got the loose ball and the dunk to end it. Uh, 
Vaughn later said the last shot was intended to go to Joe Harris, but the play simply fell apart. Speaking of Joe Harris, uh, he actually left the bubble shortly after the game. Um, I think it's a non-medical reason, but the problem is with him leaving, the Nets have to hope that the series goes at least six days or six games because for him to come back and be quarantined and everything work out well, that would be the time that would be needed for him to be available. So the Nets are already shorthanded without Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Nicholas Claxton, Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, Torian Prince, and Wilson Chandler, and they lose Joe Harris. They're still a resilient bunch. They get points in different ways. Uh, really love the way that Karis Avert's been playing. He wasn't the most effective shooting, 5 of 22, that's saying a lot, but he impacted the game in other ways. He had 6 rebounds, 11 assists, the second straight game of being a really strong playmaker. Um, he just really has to work on the outside shot because the way the Raptors are playing defense is making it hard for him to finish around the rim. He was 0 for 4 from 3, and his mid-range and 3 shot comes and goes, and right now it is gone. So he definitely needs to work on that. TLC had 17 points, Jared Allen had 14 along with Harris, um, and then off the bench, Tyler Johnson at 12, and that's really all they had. Maybe they could hope for, uh, I don't know, Jamal Crawford to give them some extra offense, but they need so, at least somewhat of a focal point. And the fact that we're looking at a 40-year-old Jamal Crawford coming off injury very soon to be able to give some crunch time offense to the Nets is saying more about the Nets than than you'd think. No disrespect to, to um, Jordan Crawford. He's an amazing player was an amazing player. He has my respect. It's been 20 years in the NBA for the dude. But they need another shot maker, in my honest opinion. Um, Garrett Temple, respect the guy, but he's not that. And Karis Avert has too much defensive attention on right now to be very effective. So this might be me writing the death knell for the Brooklyn Nets as well, especially without Joe Harris. But Jacques Vaughn has done an amazing job with them and instilling their fight. And they're a tremendous group of high-character guys that are coming in here to work every day. So even with the team that is better than them, objectively speaking in Toronto, at least the Nets are making it tough. Even if they go down to four-game sweep, it will be a very tough four-game sweep. Alright, well, that just about does it here on NBA Today. Again, check me out at Corbin NBA. Check out the fine folks at HoopBall, hoop-ball.com and at HoopBall Tweets. Tomorrow or today when you're listening to this, we have four games again. Yep, keep carrying that on right up through the weekend. It's game two of the following teams. Heat vs. Pacers at 1 p.m. Eastern. Thunder vs. Rockets at 3.30. Magic vs. Bucks at 6. And the Lakers vs. the Blazers again at 9. Let's see if the Lakers can bounce back. If so, you will have a happier Corbin when we break down these games tomorrow. Until then, stay frosty, y'all. I'll talk to you real soon. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.